I'm Rick Boogs. That's B-O-O-G-S. And I came to rock with the real king of SmackDown, Shinsuke Nakamura. Boogs. Thank you, Boogs. What a treat this is! Oh my god! What? Shredding! Late to every episode. Late so much, I'm going to have to buy you a pregnancy test. Bob Rude. <laughs> I want to be a podcaster. Yay. It's my name is Kenta. I'm going to call him Kenta. Dynamite drop in, Monty. That broadcasting school is really paying off for you. <laughs> That's a bold statement, Cotton. Oh, my God. Mine just stopped recording. No, we're good. We're still recording. What a dick. <laughs> I'd cease and desist me. I'd cease and desist me hard. I need a minute to recover off that. What kind of game is it? War games! Let a war! War games! You are impressionist. Uh, yeah, I know. That's the only thing I've said in the last half hour. Bark, Bark like a dog. dog. <laughs> oh! Oh! Oh, jinx! Holy shit! How did that actually happen? Here we go. Y'all want to see a dead body? Top of Wrestling Podcast. It's Wednesday. It's a movie quote to start it, and it's a day to talk about a lot of wrestling. I am the Professor Mark Fantasia, welcoming you to another episode here in Season 3, where we bring you good, well, top wrestling and top flicks. Last week, if you didn't figure it out, it was Major League. And, uh, some epic quotes Tom Berger you got Lou Brown Charlie Sheen all those guys oh great movie this week we'll uh, we'll see where we could get going and uh, I, I really can't get too many movie quotes out until I'm joined by top of wrestling co-host ladies and gentlemen ODM you don't know what the fuck I be motherfucking knowing <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's gonna be a hard one this week. I'm like, it is. <clears throat> but with all them. the motherfuckers, it's like, hmm, which Samuel L. Jackson movie could it be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm ready, man. I'm excited for this week. Uh, just to run down what today's episode is gonna contain. Of course, we are still taking our trip 
back in time in 1996. This week in history, it's Memorial Day week this week, and it was back then, of course, and oh boy. Several days. Normally we'd say, hey, you know, it was a pay-per-view and uh, a raw nitro, but we have four days worth of stuff to talk about. What? How's that possible? Oh, we'll get there. We have that, and we also have NWA's Good Shit of the Week. But, of course, we don't uh, we don't really dive into all of our favorite segments until we kick some news out of the way. What's been some things that have been brewing this week, ODM? All right, well, we'll do a quick one here. Uh, you know, we were all wondering about the fate of The Miz after the zombie lumberjack match, and it's okay. Uh, I'm happy to he report dead. that Miz He's did He's the not, dead body. He did not die. He did not turn into the undead. He did not turn into a zombie. But the zombies did apparently eat part of his ACL uh, during the match. So it's a damn shame. I am so pissed off that that is ex- exactly how he got hurt. <laughs> So what'd you do, man? Was it like jumping off a ladder? Did someone do like a figure four? No, zombie. Eh? Yeah. You heard me. I know. Yeah, you heard me. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I I don't even want to talk about it. It's so it's, yeah. It, I don't want it to be like a good. That's what you get. It but no. It's like, ugh. and it sucks because I, I think we've mentioned it a couple times. Miz is one of, you know for better or for worse, he is one of the safest workers. He never yeah. gets hurt. Never gets hurt. First time ever, actually, yeah. right? Because, I mean, I did remember him getting concussed, but he's never been majorly injured. Right. I'll never forget the time Kofi Kingston concussed him with a uh, trouble in paradise. paradise yeah. Just directly right to the center of the forehead. <laughs> he was just out. Um, but, yeah, the first major injury that's keeping him away from WWE. And that sucks, man, because I'm telling you right now, you will notice that he's missed. It's kind of the same with John Cena. Everybody could say what they want, or even when Roman was gone for the longest time. You notice when someone's not there, you're going to notice the presence of The Miz is not there because it's one of your best promo talkers in the game right now. And, I mean, for WWE, either they don't know, they don't show, or they just don't give a care about really what's going on for the WWE roster. (laughs) I see what you did there. Uh, that was good. That was Mark. good. You didn't shoehorn that one in. That was organic. It, it fit. It was perfect. Perfect. It did. All right. You, you know, know there's I... actually a, a part in the movie that someone does go, Mark. Yeah, I love yeah, it. I know. <laughs> I almost put that one in the notes. I'm like, eh, nah. Um, it's going to come up somewhere. It will, yeah. Uh, probably as soon as you start talking about CM Punk. But uh, oh, so yeah. something else that uh, was uh, some good shit here is uh, Bronson Reed. Already. I thought it'd be a little bit, but uh, Bronson Reed wins the NXT North American Championship in a cage match. Uh, very emotional afterwards. But uh, you know what? But book him as a beast. Have him even turn heel at some point and just have him run through the roster. I get that you did it. Uh, it's better to do it on TV because for your ratings and everything like that, but why didn't you just pull the trigger a takeover three weeks ago? It would have been, it would have been really cool to see it happen. Yeah. That's just my opinion, but no, it was really great to see him win that. I I actually was thinking, I'm like, Oh, it's in the cage. Somehow the way is going to get involved. I'm sure Bronson Reed pulls off the win. So good. Thank you. That, That was a good step in the right direction. Oh, hell yeah. 
All right, so uh, some happenings in the land of TV. AEW is going to be moving from TNT to TBS. Um, so Their new show is going to be called Lightning, <laughs> not Thunder. Lightning. <laughs> yeah, right. Dude, they are just taking every step that WCW took. I, yeah, I, I gotcha. I can look at you. So they're going to have a new, and it's actually not that far off, man. Uh, all right, so a couple things going on with this. Uh, one, uh, they will not be renaming the TNT title. It'll still be the TNT title. All right, so there's one thing. Uh, so they are going to be debuting a new show. It'll be one hour. Uh, it's going to be called Rampage, or AEW Rampage. Uh, it's going to premiere Friday, August 13th, uh, and that's going to be a 10 p.m. show. Uh, and that will debut on TNT. Uh, both the programs are going to stay on TNT until the end of 2021, uh, but they're going to move to TBS in 2022. And what will be on TNT is four new annual pay-per-view style events on TNT. So basically like your Clash of Champions. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Who else did... Wait. <laughs> I was just going to say, what are they going to call this one? Battle of the Titles. How long? How long before they just Tony Khan just buys the WCW name? And they just become WCW. <laughs> the problem with Vince owning it, I know, I never know. let no, that I know. go. But, <laughs> but you're doing everything but that. I hope they have a thing called the the power flower, not the power plant, the power flower. The po- just all these different things that are basically WCW styled. God, it's horrible, man. I can't believe it. As soon as I read that the other day, I go, oh my God, they're doing it. But I think more than anything, TNT, now that um, arenas, stadiums, things are starting to get back into a little bit of a swing of having fans, TNT is going to probably be heavily set up with NBA. So TBS, Woody fighting, maybe some Atlanta Braves games. Really? I mean, there's really nothing that goes on on TBS anymore. I don't think they really even do other than baseball every now and then I mean, is that it i don't think they have any sports of any i haven't actually been on the tbs channel uh, 10 years maybe yeah. i mean I, I couldn't even tell you so tnt if i'm on there it's because it was a rerun you know like there's a sitcom <laughs> right. that's on that's it yeah pretty much so yeah uh we'll see what happens uh you know all joking aside uh the four you know you know annual events should be interesting well, hopefully they give us something good but we'll talk about that uh, possibility of that uh, during our discussion later. Uh, some more WWE releases. Uh, two of them are not related. I'll go through the names of the first one that was just a uh, you know and you know, mass release fest. Uh, Alexander Wolf, who actually finally found his stride in Imperium, and you know you know after they after WWE botched the the call up of Sanity, uh, it seemed like he had his footing. But yeah, that's the big one. Uh, Jessamine Duke, uh, that would be Kyle O'Reilly. No, not Kyle O'Reilly. Um, oh my God, whose wife is that? Is that Roddy? Roddy's wife. Yes, thank you. Uh, yep. Yep. And also a part of the four. MMA four horsewomen. Yep. So there goes that. That made me sad as soon as I saw that. I go no, because there goes that. <laughs> like, um, it, I you know before you read the other two here, man, or, or a couple, Alexander Wolf. I I had a weird feeling about it because when 
Marcel and yeah, I yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I, I blank on. I never remember their names. I know Alexander Wolf. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, but thank you. But he didn't show up to NXT recently. It's mm-hmm. been Walter and the other two guys, yeah. and I noticed that, and I was like, "Huh, is he injured?" Nah, man, they're getting rid of him. But where he's from, he'll probably land in like Progress Wrestling again. And I bet you, if he shows up there, it'll make a pop. Absolutely, yeah, and that's something that I would fully expect. Yeah, uh, the, the rest of the names I honestly am not too familiar with: Vanessa Bourne, uh, Kavita Devi, Skylar Story, and Ezra Judge. So. Vanessa Bourne, I'm familiar with. We've seen her a little bit. Uh, I think she was a part of the May Young Classic, but also she did a little bit in NXT. You're going to see her pop up in like probably AEW or something. I really see that if AEW is going to start picking up stars, I know we are, we're always like, oh, well, that's the next go-to, right? You'll just pop up in AEW. Not necessarily, and they've even said they don't just want everybody, but I think they are going to try and bulk up their women's division. I think that's kind of something we've seen. Tessa Blanchard is still up in the air. She's training with people from all different companies, so no one knows where the hell she's showing up. Right. Uh, but Jessamine Duke, I think I think they gave her a good amount of time, and I think she was either too green or too inexperienced or something. You know, Maybe it was just better off for MMA because not a whole lot of screen time for her. She was with Baszler a lot when her and... Uh, Shafir. So you know what? No, no, no. Jessamine Duke. Yeah, is Shafir. Not with... Shafir is Roddy's wife. Shafir yeah, is with you're Roddy. Right. You're right. Jess, uh, Jessamine Duke, I believe, has a girlfriend or a wife, in, and it's someone else that's actually a wrestler too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. If I'm, yeah, I believe. Right. So either way, I think she was too green though. She never really yeah. got out of her shell or whatever, or it's like, yeah, you know what? We already got Baszler. What are you going to do? Like, oh, your style is MMA. That's it. That's all you got. We can't bring in. Yeah. That, that's all. I'm yeah. Thinking. And I, I, I tend to agree with you because the limited times I've seen her in any working capacity, it, it's seemed pretty green. So, and you know what? Something else I could throw out there last Monday when we recorded later on that night, Again, something you could have did for a great feel-good moment. Don't know why you wait three weeks, but they finally put the tag straps on Tamina and Natalia. Yeah. Huge feel-good moment for for uh, Tamina. Tamina. Hell yeah. I mean, that's long-time milestone, and everybody flooded Twitter that night talking and, and saying it's a long time coming, well-deserved. It was awesome to see. Loved it. And I'm not sure if you caught some of their promos and stuff. But now, now they were also a part of like Alexa Bliss's Firefly Funhouse shit. Something. Uh, WWE. Okay. <sighs> you know what WWE thinks they are? They think they're tough. <laughs> oh, you suck, man. <laughs> You suck. All right. Uh, well, there was an- all right. What other news? Well, got? there was another NXT release, and Alia said it wasn't related, so I, I kind of wanted to keep it separate. But Velveteen mm-hmm. Dream uh, has finally been uh, released. Uh, my favorite part was the, you know, such you know, insert newly released wrestler is all elite. You know, it's basically they just take the backdrop, put a name in there, and put up you know a, a photo of the wrestler. And I loved his satin nightmare. Oh, God, I loved it. It's amazing. Hilarious. 
And it's, which is, you know, to an older school fan of when memes were just starting up, uh, it would be if someone got released from WWE, what are they doing in the impact zone? And they always take that name and flip it around or whatever the case could be. That was probably one of my favorite ones yet. Satin Nightmare is hysterical. Couple things to this story. One, earlier today, he did release a tweet saying his side of everything. He opened up his, and I'm going to say long story short, and I really mean long story short. I think they only give you so many characters on Twitter, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it was actually taken so from he- his Instagram. Okay, but either way, it was like screenshots because yep. you can only put up so much. And he tells his side of everything and how he opened up his own DMs for people to ask him questions about wrestling or about how to get in shape, how to do this and that. And he said as he was guiding these couple people, whatever, you know, this one guy, Josh, and the other one was Jacob, uh, one just deleted themselves from Twitter or whatever it was altogether, and then one morning he woke up and he said and all hell just was going loose and he got a hold of talent relations with WWE, but it was too little too late. Here's the deal. It doesn't matter even if he did or did not do anything and he got ahead of it by calling the talent relations or social media people or an HR, whatever the hell he had to do. He, It doesn't matter what they could do to get ahead of it. Once the word is out, in 2021, with nonstop cancel culture, as it's called, you aren't going to make it, man. We, we all have just been waiting for your release this entire time. The fact that he even showed up on TV that one time on NXT, we're like, wow, he's back. And he's gone like two weeks later. Yeah, right. It. Yeah. To be honest with you, this sounds kind of fucked up. I don't care. I, I don't know. And I don't care if it's true or whatever. Um, I will say... Did you catch the article of the, I guess it would be the, he's a, his name, oh, I'm going to get his name wrong and I'm not going to try to. He is a very well-known artist and does those very famous paintings that we all see of like every wrestler out there. And I can't think of his name. Uh, maybe you'd even Google it if you want to. But he said that Velveteen Dream was 100% the most unprofessional person that he's ever worked with. Really? Says a lot. I, I, it's Dan, like, Hauser. So he does, like, very the, well. Uh, is it? No, that's definitely not it. So, like, he just, like, is he commissioned by, like, WWE or? He, they, they auction him off and stuff. He's just very well known, and, and it's kind of he started just doing it on his own, and then he became, uh, I, I guess, associated with WWE. And they would, because I know that they auction him off and they do things like that for charity. And ve- I mean, we're talking like these awesome splash color paintings. I'd have to look into it a, a little bit later. I'm spending more time on something I don't know the guy's fucking name. <laughs> uh, but either way, he said that Velveteen Dream is the most unprofessional person he's ever worked with. And I'm like, and just for a painting, you know what I mean? And it's not like you had to work with him backstage or anything. So it makes you wonder, okay, are the accusations true? Not just off of that, but, you know, one versus the other, you know. But he said, and in, in according to his, that Instagram quote 
Velveteen, the character, Velveteen Dream is dead. That Patrick Clark will remain living on forever. And as I said to you off air, ODM, doesn't matter. Patrick Clark is the one that everybody is talking about. He can't just show up somewhere else and become Satin Nightmare and everybody forgot about the accusations that Velveteen Dream went through. He's... he's I mean, look at every actor, singer. Everybody's been called out. No one's come back from most of this stuff. I have a bad feeling that Velveteen Dream is probably going to be in that boat. Um, but... Yeah, that was all the the releases this week. Um, any other news you got there? Uh, so, unfortunately, uh, and I'm going to loop another piece of news in here that I didn't put down. Uh, Will Ospreay has to vacate the IWGP World Heavyweight title uh, due to a neck injury. No time frame on when he's going to be back. But, uh, yeah, it's a damn shame. It was... Uh, uh, to me, it was a shock that they put the title on him. So I think it was, uh, you know, and then they gave him the shit belt, which Kota Abushi says is going to grow on people over time. Uh, no, it's not. It's not going to grow on me at the very least. I have a funny feeling it is not going to grow on the professor. Uh, the meme summed it up. It is what you get when the former Divas title in WWE had as a baby with Cody's neck tattoo. Uh, that's what the title looks like, and exactly. I don't like it, and I'm not going to like it. Uh, bring back the old belts because they looked <laughs> fantastic. Uh, to me, the old IWGP heavyweight title was up there with the big gold belt. As far as looks. I like the Intercontinental title they had, too. I mean, yeah, they're, they're both just... dope. Um, I found the name um, in like two seconds. The artist that I was talking about, his name is... Um, he's actually a WWE artist. He does canvas to canvas. His name is Rob Schamberger. Ah, okay. This is the gentleman that said that Velveteen Dream is the most unprofessional person he's ever worked with. And he's been with WWE for a while. Look at all of his work. Um, I'm so sorry I had to kind of veer back to that. But I'm okay. sad about Will Ospreay, man. I really hope that yeah. you know he's okay. But it's kind of those, like, him and Abushi. How are you even alive? You know what I mean? Like how like the some of the work that you guys do. So take a little easier care on your body, dude. You don't have to go so crazy. Um, but I do hope he makes his way back. Now speaking <laughs> of an injury, according to Wrestling Observer, okay, Simon Gotch said that Enzo Mori is a detriment to not only the business, but to himself and everybody around him. Because as we've heard, he uh, uh, broke his own ankle, countering a, a wrist lock, all that shit, right? The rope spot. Well, Enzo has not even... Oh, yeah, no, let's not forget that payback spot ever. That's That was... Well... Where he got concussed. I'm actually going to reference it later. Well, it's funny because he got knocked out at that payback event, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, he thought I should do that again at an SWE event in Texas that just this past Saturday night. If you haven't heard about Enzo wrestling lately, it's because he pretty much hasn't. And this dude took a DDT to the ground and got knocked the fuck out and was stretchered out of the arena and taken to the hospital. Sources say he's okay now, but uh, hang it up, bruh. With his, with the, the coolest thing that Enzo has done at all lately is someone tweeted and said, how come you weren't with Big Cass at 
uh, when Big Cash showed up to whatever event he was at recently, and he said Thor doesn't need Robin, meaning like like Batman needs what? Robin, but like Thor, he's on his own, saying like he's a man, he doesn't need an extra guy. It was kind of a it was a weird reference, but that's how he said it. Okay, different. But I was like, okay, that's cool. So you're giving Cass being like, you know what? Let's split ourselves apart. He's got to be on his own anyway. Yeah, this dude's knocking himself out at a, a local event in Texas. Damn, another thing I missed out on by not being in Texas again. Uh, what else we got today? Oh, God, that's fucking great with his big four-by-four head. Um, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, someone must have been praying for that fool because I swear I aimed right for his head. <laughs> All right, I got to get him in while we can here. Uh, so uh, we're gonna... oh oh come on man, that, he that's probably one of his most noble roles of all time. I love that role. Oh, definitely. Him. Yeah, it's uh, funny and sad and disturbing and yeah, you know. Uh, I mean, given you know, it's a... I want to do his famous line that's towards the end. You know, when he the yeah the gun, and I'm like, ah, it's yeah. too easy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the Shawn Michaels bio was on. Uh, pretty good. It actually, you know, humanized him, kind of, uh, you know, gave him a little bit of redeeming quality. Uh, even Cornette had mentioned, you know, maybe if I just would have watched this, I wouldn't have, you know, kind of changed my opinion. I might actually not think of him, think about all the dickish stuff he did back in the day. But uh, my favorite part was. Hey, poor Leon cry. I know. That's still my favorite. <laughs> he made poor Leon cry. Uh, I'm sure we'll be covering that in the near future. Um, True. So uh, Taker was on, and they're talking about, you know, Janetti and Michaels meeting up and then just the partying and all that. And Taker goes, yeah, the Rockers, yeah, they were, uh, yeah, they were peckerheads. (laughs) (laughs) So great. I love it. And and I've always heard stories that they were, living that rock star kind of lifestyle, which is why they actually got fired from WF before they even made it yep. big as the Rockers, their second run. So to be called Peckerheads, not shocked. Just I, I need to hear old Mark Calloway actually say that. That's pretty funny. Yeah, no, it was great the way you said it. Yeah, and Janetti just looks, oh, man, he looks like a burnout rock star reminiscent on the good old days. So it was interesting. It was pretty good. Uh, definitely worth watching. Um, you know, this week we've got, uh, so wait, you're saying Marty Gennetti looks rough. Yeah. A little bit. Is he like the kind of guy that'd be like, oh, yo, geez. you got some blow. You got some rock. I suck your dick. <laughs> hey, Hey, don't be cussing so motherfucking loud. My mom hates that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I made him laugh so hard. He broke what his camera. You ain't skinny. You go hula hoop in a Cheerio. <laughs> You see your cripple ass out of my car. <laughs> see your ass walking home. Roll your ass down these stairs for saying that. <laughs> All right, please go out about this bio. All right, so yeah, so anyway, yeah, it was the Shawn Michaels one. It was pretty good. Um, there's we're gonna have dueling warrior biographies coming up, which is gonna be kind of controversial because. Dana Warrior put out a statement and said she's not into smut and whatever. Uh, 
because Dark Side of the Ring, she said, is she said I had no hand in it. Of course not, because they wanted the real story, and she doesn't. And she doesn't. Wor- she works for WWE, so. Oh, totally! Can't wait. That's this week, right? Yeah. So, yep, yep. Uh, and actually, A and E rescheduled it. It wasn't even planned to be released this week. They rescheduled oh, them. <laughs> no, WWE rescheduled it. Basically, A and E, not Dark Side. Dark Side was already planned to be released this week. The oh. A and the biography one got moved to this week. So it would be up against Dark Side. You know, Dark Side is going to be the more truthful one. And what was my that's side? The thing. It's also going to be probably the more watched. Yep, I saw. Well, I, yeah, yeah. A and E. How many have, people have that network versus A and E? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You have to think about coverage, huh? So. That's, but my favorite was Jake. I hated that motherfucker so much. They showed Jake the Snake just how much he hated him. And I know Cornette's going to be in it. And he's always had nothing but bad things to say about Warrior. So, well, I told you last week, you know, we had Brian Pillman uh, for the first two weeks. Last week, I talked about the <sighs> Nick Gage episode. We're doing Warrior coming up soon, but this past. Week Dark Side of the Ring, we got to talk about it, man. The collision in North Korea—they're just collision in Korea. Is that what it was called? Collision, Korea? collision in Korea. <clears throat> it was also called to I think. Uh, oh my God, and I'm blanking on his name. I don't know why. Uh, it was also called the uh, Pyongyang International Sports and Culture Festival for Peace. Well, uh. Felt like anything but peace. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. You know what the worst thing you could do? Wow. All right. <laughs> all right. Let me let me ah, let me start at the beginning here. First of all, fucking awesome to see Scott Norton, man. Yeah. Oh my god. Especially yeah, that's since pretty cool. we're already reliving '96 right now, but just hearing him talk and all the shit that he went through, calls home to his wife who he hasn't talked to in days because they've been pretty much held captive with how things have been there. They took their passports. I'm not going to really spoil a whole lot if you haven't watched it yet because it was outstanding. But the call cut short, and his wife had been blaming him, thinking that he's just out partying with the boys. And then gets fucking held captive by a bunch of guys with a bunch of guns, and you know he was in some deep shit. Like He, he would have died. He almost died that day. And all these other guys, and then here, when you think, all right, wow, all these wrestlers' lives are at risk, it's kind of almost like, in a small way, a couple years ago, the Saudi Arabia thing, right? Like, they were kind of held overseas for a little bit of time, right? It was a scary situation. You would think that, at that point, we're all band of brothers. We got to band together. (laughs) Not Hawk and Scorpio. Holy shit. There was a plan of two called Scorpio. He was planning to fucking murder Hawk. Wow. That entire thing. I was like, this could have been a dark side of the ring itself. Just this entire making a shiv in front of Benoit. <laughs> um, Think of the craziness of that statement. Oh, my God. The, <laughs> the, the fighting on the bus and then being like, I took your best shot. But then Norton's like, yeah. 
Yeah. If Hawk was on his better day, he would have killed him. I'm like, holy yeah. shit, this is I, fucking awesome. Listen, I'm not trying to take anything away from Too Cold Scorpio, but I have a very hard feeling that, because the whole episode, there was a couple instances where he just made it seem like Scorpio was invincible to Hawk and he punked Hawk. I highly doubt that happened. Well, And if it did, it must have been the fucking meds. Well, that's what Norton had alluded to. He was like, he was on a bunch of different stuff, and it made him sick and drowsy. And he goes, he wasn't at 100%, you know, saying, like, if he wasn't all pilled up. But, you know, at one point, Hawk does turn and just swing at him. And he said, I took your fucking best shot, and I'm still here. But God damn it. Too cold Scorpio said, and I backed up, I ripped my shirt, and I kicked him in the chest, pow, and I go, oh my god, it was Chappelle's show. It was the whole thing, just like I kicked him in his fucking chest, I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding in my chest. The way way he did it, because he goes, and I backed up, I ripped, and I kicked him in the chest, I laughed, I go, he he did just like Charlie Murphy. (laughs) Holy shit. That entire thing, I mean, and that Bischoff apparently can scare an entire <laughs> country just by running down the street jogging all the shit dude it was just nuts it who i put the collision in korea dark side of the ring episode like next to the benwan owen that was unbelievable never knew any of that and here's the thing if you guys thought watching wrestling in silence because of the pandemic sucked. Try wrestling in front of an actual crowd of like 180,000. And it was dead silent because no one gave a shit. They were forced to go to the event. Wow. That's a, so Scott I had no idea. says to Flair. Never seen wrestling. Can you believe we, we drew all this shit, man? And the driver goes, nope. If they don't show, they get executed. They get shot in the head for not showing up to this event. Jesus Christ. That's like, all right, me as a musician. That's like, fuck that. Fuck the musician. That's like putting a gun to someone's head and making them listen to our show. (laughs) I haven't tried that yet. (laughs) Like, now I really got to step my game up or you're going to die. Oh, man. It's just the whole episode was nuts. Dark Side of the Ring does it again. Yeah, it was a good one. I heard... uh... Cornette and uh, Brian last talking about how they thought it was a little. It, it kind of just didn't really go anywhere. It's like to them, it probably didn't because they already knew all this shit and it was just them recapping it. But I mean, I didn't know a lot of this stuff. <laughs> you know, I know it was I didn't the no Jack. Shit. I knew it was the highest. I thought Inoki and Flair and uh, Bischoff all came to an awesome agreement together. Hogan turns it down. Yeah. Oh, my God, Scorpio, I got that over you, Hogan. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, and that's the other interesting, too, thing is, you know, Bischoff was great. He was an entertainer during this whole thing, too, you know, but it it was the largest, it was the record, it's the record for the largest event, uh, wrestling event, attendance. And he says he has that over Vince yep, McMahon. He does. He goes over, every, over any and every WrestleMania. Yep. Vince can't but the, the cool thing was that you know and they explained why like Anoki's charm in North Korea why he was able to do that uh the Flair Anoki match ended up picking up and Flair did business and took the pin and you know, it was awesome so yeah just it, Dude, it was it was, that, it was crazy when they brought that part up 
I literally started nodding to myself, and I go, because he's a fucking pro. Yeah. Of course, the only goddamn person to get over there besides Anoki is Ric Flair, because he made Anoki look like a million bucks, and everyone was there cheering for him. Man, the fact that they oh they show like Bull Nakado in the ring and they're like yeah. they showed the other women in in the audience with disgust. They couldn't believe women were wrestling. Whew, great episode. Insane. I almost want to watch it again. Yeah, right. <laughs> but we do have uh, you know, last piece of news. We have a pay per view this weekend. Did you know that? I guess we haven't really been paying attention to AEW so much. Nah, because I'm, I'm keeping tabs on them. I'm Tuesday, tabs. Wednesday Night Wars. Well, do you want to run down the card? Uh, let's start with the one that we knew we were going to get, goddammit, and it's exactly what we got. It's Omega defending the title in a three-way versus Pac and Orange Cassidy. Okay. Cassidy takes the pin. Doesn't matter how this whole thing turns out. I don't care if it's Pac or Omega winning it. Cassidy takes a pin. That's how that. That's how it this has match to ends. happen. It has to happen that way. Yeah. All right. Uh, boo. Yep. And then boo to the next one. Stadium Stampede Part Two. Great. If the Inner Circle loses, they have to disband. So, let me guess. Last year it was Hager and Adam Page sitting down in the middle of it, having a drink. Is that going to be Hager and Wardlow this year? It, it, now, I would take that as a funny callback, but they got to do it right. right. They got to like look at the old, you know, the, the previous one and, and shoot it the exact same, same mannerisms or have it be a complete carbon copy. So, oh, my God, I just thought of something else that they're not going to do. What if? Well, all right, here, <laughs> well, first, we haven't said this inner circle. If they lose, they disband. Yeah, I just said I'm that. I'm not sure if you actually said that. You did say that? Okay, my bad. I'm sorry. Go fuck Chicken yourself. That's not even a quote nuggets. from the movie. That's just me telling you to. <laughs> but anyway, a, another good callback would be the mascot. And this time, the mascot beats up Chris Jericho. Ooh, I like it. You take the mascot head off, and it's MJF or something, right? Like, where is he? Why is he pussing out? He's not here. Something. I'm just saying, you bring that back because it goes back to the first Stadium Stampede. Other than that, yeah, it's a comedy match. I mean, look, at we did Stadium Stampede last year because, well, we were in trying times and we had to do cinematic matches. You have a crowd again. As a matter of fact, you're pretty much going to be at capacity and selling out, so you don't need to do Stadium Stampede unless... You do Stadium Stampede live, and you allow fans in the stadium. Like, they're actually in the bleachers. Then it makes it a little bit different for me. Right, that would be a bit like of a process. to go to and from. And I agree with you. Even that's still got to be a pain in the ass, though, because if they're going to you know, want to do backstage stuff that they're not going to be able to see. But, I mean, I guess that could be the same. No, it would be perfect, though, because then the because people could walk uh, to the bathroom back and forth during the uh, – the next match, the women's match, the Hukira Shida and Dr. Britt Baker. Yeah, I just hope they put the title on Britt. They're not going to. Uh, I think they might. I, think they I, might. I want them to. I've been preaching it. They're not going to. Yeah, they if a to. title change is going to happen at all, considering uh, I don't think Miro is going to lose his title to Lance Archer. Not this early. 
No. I think that'll be probably a barn burner of a match. I think that'll be a great stiff match if you do it right. He's not losing his title. I'm calling Moxley and Kingston. They will defeat the Young Bucks. Yeah, I can see it. I, I certainly hope so. It's interesting because, you know, uh, I think it was Dax had tweeted something about, you know, I swear to God, you know, we've been the number one tag team and now Moxley and Kingston are going for the titles. If they win, I quit or something like that. And I quit. Yeah. So it, it, it's. But he's in the stadium stampede. He's been in blood and guts. He's in a feud. I think he was just maybe being oh, no, no, no. think, or just kind of trolling for fun. Yeah, that, that that's, that's fine. I just, I can kind of see it. But I love Moxley. I love Kingston as, as a team. I think they're great. Uh, I'd love to see him take the tags, for, uh, the the ah, the titles from the Bucks, because you know. Uh, and then you could even I have Bucks. Moxley and Kingston versus FTR. That'd be that's a that's a good that'd be a great that'd match, be a great actually. feud. Do you know, or did you happen to see that Moxley's Wild Thing is now officially not the original? Right. They switched it in front, not the what was it, the Trogs, the Trogs originally? Yeah. I think. They switched it to the exact one that last week's movie, Rick Wild Thing Vaughn, baby. They switched it to that one, the chick singing it, and it's awesome. Good shit. You make my Sorry, I'll sing it later. There you go. No, 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 that's fine. Yeah, you can put it in at the end. <laughs> um, so we do have a couple other matches here. What else we got? Uh, Sting and Darby Allen. Sting and Darby Allen versus Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Okay, it's a match, and Sting's in it. Uh, you know, I really, I want to care, but I'm not finding myself care. The cinematic match that they did with Sting and Darby was fantastic. I loved it. It was great. Yeah. Let's call that a success. And unless you're gonna do one that it's Undertaker and Sting, I don't want to see it. You know, save it. It's just I think it it's old already. Like- it's yeah. old already. Well, I mean, the, the, it, it's well, he can do other things, but why is he still tagging with Darby? Yeah. You know, it's it's Darby should be on his own now, um, especially after losing the title. Not even worried about getting a rematch or anything. And, you know, they're taking on Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. I hope just for the fun of it, Scorpio gives Sting a buckle bomb. Please don't. No, not to get him hurt. Not being a dick. I'm saying like to prove that he could probably take the move again. And maybe it was just a bad mistake or something but as far as sting doing anything at all i would rather him i don't know maybe mentor or something kind of like jake the snake is doing you know what i mean like i would i don't need you wrestling in a match agreed now unless the winner of this tag team match goes on to take on the world tag team champs I'm just saying, Kingston and Moxley versus Sting and Darby Allen would be a fucking cool match to watch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I'd almost rather see Moxley and Kingston versus Page and Sky. Okay, there's that too. Because I, yeah, you're right. Let's just make some new stars. Man, I'm just yeah, I'm I'm a huge Sting fan, but not to the point where I need to see him in a pay per view. Yep. Or even weekly. In the middle of one, too. It's not even like he's a headlining match. You have the stadium stampede and the world heavyweight title. Stinking Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page? And it ain't shit. That'll pro- yeah. Well, yeah, who knows. Uh, next match I could really care about is Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo. Ajajo. Oh, okay. That's it, too. <laughs> Ajajo. 
uh, it's it's just gonna be a way for him to give someone a rub. He'll probably win because it's Cody, but I would like to see a go go win. Yeah. You know what sucks? Ricky Starks. I'm sure you heard about yeah. it in I think his neck. Know, his neck, yeah. right? That sucks. And it would have been great because if he was a part of this uh pay per view, it would have been an easy shoehorn to go, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> So we also have a match that we are not going to care too much about either. It's Hangman Adam Page versus Brian Cage. Try saying that five times fast. No. But, and then I would assume... Hey, it's a battle of the ages. Battle of the ages with the cages versus the pages. He's shimmying. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a great dance going over here. Even though you guys can't see it, I am jiving. All right. But we do have one more match. And, of course, they always have to do their Battle Royal. Oh, man. I am a fan of Casino Battle Royal because I like how they do the if you drew diamonds, if you drew spades, if you drew hearts. That's what you go out yeah, as. And then, of cool. course, we have one more to be announced. That is your Joker. Or your wild card, or whatever you want to call it. So you got Christian Cage, Matt Seidel, Powerhouse Hobbs, Evil Uno, Colt Cabana, Ten, Jungle Boy, Matt Hardy, Mark Marquen, Mar- Mar- Mark Marquen, Isaiah Cassidy, Penta El Cerro Miedo, hey. The Blade, Griff Garrison, Brian Pillman Jr., Max Caster, Anthony Bowens, QT Marshall, Lee Johnson, Nick Camarado, Dustin Rose, Michael, Tito, Jermaine. No, I'm sorry. I got everybody. And then just one more to be, sorry, to be announced. Now, to be announced, is it a surprise never before? Oh, my God. I just figured it out. Duh. They said they'll just save him for the right time. Big show is your, uh, to be announced. No. I'm just saying. No. I disagree, sir. Mark. <laughs> anyway, um, but the winner of this gets a future AEW world title shot. So it's probably going to be someone like Jungle Boy or Brian Pillman Jr. And it's going to be on a, uh, <clears throat> like a, uh, just a regular dynamite. It's not like it's going to be a major thing. Yeah. So here's what I'm thinking. I mean, I'm going to take. AEW logic and booking out of this. I'm going to give my assessment. Of, I was like, which logic yeah, are we using? Okay. <laughs> right. I'm going to use my logic here. And just going through the list. Christian Cage. There's no reason they give him a title match. I, I think Cage and Omega would be a good match. You can have that match when Omega's not holding the title. Okay? Yeah. All right. So there's that. Or even if he just randomly challenges him on Dynamite one night and says, I'll take your title from you right now. But to give him a number one contendership. like Exactly. Like, like, oh, my God, he has a chance. No, right. I agree with you. Right. Matt Seidel, I mean, really, come on. Uh, powerhouse Hobbs, he's still green, but he's got potential. But, but uh, he's but, a heel, and so is your champion. Right, there you go. And it's not time anyway. Evil Uno, we can move on. Colt Cabana, we can move on. Ten, we can move on. Jungle Boy. Hey, hey, hey. Ho's got to eat, too. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Bitch has got to eat, too. 
<laughs> I ain't no hoe. I'm sorry, bitch. <laughs> Watch your mouth. <laughs> no, yeah. Oh boy, uh, Jungle Boy. I, I mean, whatever. I yeah, I guess it'll be Jungle Boy. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I have a big feeling it's gonna be him or Penta. Right. And then okay. Yeah. So I mean, basically going through this. Yeah, it could be Penta. Uh, Ray Phoenix is out for a while too. I don't know how long. Uh, but he's got an injury going too. Big surprise. At least he didn't kill himself like we thought he would. Pillman, it's it's too much too soon. It's great that with the episode he's got more exposure and he's got more sympathy. Yeah, dude. Yeah, push these guys as a tag team. Let's see them weekly. You know they don't have to win every single week, but you know put them on a good winning streak. And then there's a wild card. I don't think it's going to be Big Show, but I don't think it's going to be as big okay, a surprise so- as we want it to be. You know, I know that's the problem. Is it could I, be Cody? Nah, he's already in a match. <laughs> Dustin, is Dustin anywhere yeah, in this? Yeah, Dustin's in it. Yeah. Oh, he's already okay. So I see that's how much. It so matters. yeah, there was my long-winded. Um, uh, I did just opinion. see that that Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. Mm-hmm. They're main eventing AEW Dark, and. They didn't uh, like a promo about it. Like they're psyched to be main eventing AEW Dark, and I was like, I like that because you're kind of showing that okay, Dark is kind of worth seeing. And for anybody to even say like, I'm excited. That's I mean, you're really saying like, I'm excited to be for what Dark is. I'm really excited to be main eventing Sunday Night Heat. Yep, right? or superstars. But at the same point, you're like. Well, it is the lower level talent, and if that is their main event, huh? Maybe I'll give it a shot. I'm just saying, I like how they did that. I just saw that the other day as a YouTube uh, suggestion, so I'm a fan of that. Is there anybody that's released that could make it there? It's too soon for Joe, right? Unless he doesn't have a compete clause. Zack Ryder come back? No, he's. You know what? I don't remember what happened. No, he's him. Impact. He is Impact. Yeah, he's he an sign with Impact. Yeah, yeah. But they have crossovers. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, actually, you know what? Maybe. Oh, you know what? Moose. What about? Uh, I really think it's Moose because he already Kenta? he already went he already stepped to Omega on Impact. So I bet you it would be Moose. That'll give him a yeah, shot but that's at Omega. For the Impact title. They can change it along oh, the way. Man tries to get both titles. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, ooh! Put my money on. That's where this thing is put. If you put this battle royal on pre-show, doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) If it's on the main card, it might matter. Right. Well, you know what? We tend to be a little bit negative. Let's hope uh, this week we're not so much. But let's sit down and uh, have a discussion at a table. Just bring it, bitch! It was a corny intro, my bad. So here we go. Um, Bringing to the table. You know, a very interesting thing over the last couple of days that I've been reading is Chris Jericho said that he thinks the best wrestler in the world right now, today, is Kenny Omega. Jim Ross says Randy Orton. Omega actually took a couple shots um, at some of the naysayers who are like Cornette and... Jim Ross and saying that he is the best, that he isn't the best in the world. So I wanted to bring to the table this week who I actually think, at least between the two, actually, and I'll be honest with you, probably overall really is the best wrestler in the world today. 
I love Daniel Bryan. I love Cesaro. I love all those guys, but they're not pushed the right way. They're not in the right spotlight to say that they're the best wrestler. You don't make number one in the PWI you know, top 500 list by having two matches a year. You have to obviously get in. You got to work. Like Adam Cole to me is one of the best workers out there. Mm. So is Johnny Gargano, right? Omega, he is a bout machine. We've talked about it. And, you know, going back and especially after our episode last week, I did watch the two out of three falls Okada Omega match. And Omega does hold his weight. However, I don't think there is anybody that really probably could touch Randy Orton nowadays. He is a great wrestler, great promo, holds character. You know what I mean? Like, for the most part, you know, he may crack every now and then. But, you know, it's not like Kevin Owens. If he's a heel, he's a sarcastic heel who has fun. Roman Reigns, he's got Heyman talking for him. On AEW side, you got great promos and stuff, but you got to be able to follow it up with good promos and great wrestling. We're not getting all of that all the time, right? It's one versus the other. Orton is consistent and has been for many, many years. There's not one match you see him in other than when it's him versus Cena and you're like, God damn, I've seen this before. But you're like, I'm still going to watch it. Even when they put him versus Triple H in Saudi Arabia couple years back right at crown jewel you're like "Eh, i've seen it i bet it's gonna be a good match that's two pros randy's a fucking pro and i think he really is the best in the world right now and i say that again in the world that's even versus your okada right they haven't been having a consistent show over there no one has in the last two years even more so no one has been better than randy orton that's that's a that's a that's a that's an astute comment thank you Uh, i agree you're gonna say stupid (laughs) Uh, i was like it's fitting because it's him (laughs) will ferrell the office uh orton i agree is better than omega right now as far as talent level you're you're everything that you said absolutely right i agree i know i omega mark out sometimes but i still understand that he's very niche he has his area. Orton is the total package. Uh, so I definitely get that. Okada. Can I say one? Can I say something to that? that? Kind of what? All right. It's kind of like you. Mike Tyson is your Kenny Omega, right? He's going in and putting on like some of the hardest hitting stuff, some of your best stuff, right? But then you got. Roy Jones Jr. was a more all-around boxer, right? right. More defensive, mm-hmm. more fast-moving, this, that, right? If you're all-around. So I'm saying, like, it, there's different levels and who you want to watch. You put Omega against anybody, I'm like, I'm still going to watch him because he is still one of the best in the world. But as that all-around package is what you're saying, that's where Randy Orton comes in. I agree. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, I need a drink before we uh, get on to my bring it to the table. Because I got to bring a drink to the table. Yeah. All right, so. I, cool, we both had two cheesy lines. Yeah. Great. <laughs> they cancel each other out, right? Uh, shared a page uh, picture to our Facebook page. Uh, I, Yep, so there's a picture. Uh, it looks like, a, like an outdoor shoot, almost like against a brick wall. Let's see if I can get this right. It, uh, from left to right. 
It's Owen. I don't. Oh, uh, Brian Pillman. Pillman. Yep. Hart. Uh, Bret Hart. Uh, the Brett. Anvil. And British Bulldog. So we've got an updated picture, and it's Tyson Kidd, Brian Pillman Jr., a cardboard cutout of Bret Hart, Natalia, and Davy Boy Jr. Pretty fucking cool. So cool. Pretty and fucking cool. Davy Boy Jr. wearing the fanny pack. Yes. <laughs> As his father did. I thought that was kind of a big key, and I'm glad he did it. I thought it was really cool. It was, it was fucking awesome. It was it was a super cool picture. Uh, I almost wish that they would have saved it when they could have done it with Brett, uh, but I understand that that yeah. may not be you know super easy to do. So uh, still really fucking cool. A great picture. I saved it to my phone. I'm, it's just a, that's just an awesome Same. one. Uh, but uh, it is uh, the anniversary. Uh, so May 23rd, which would be sun this past Sunday is the anniversary of Owen's passing at Over the Edge. Uh, so yesterday, uh, as of as of this recording, is when I saw WWE post something. Uh, you know, I forgot to put it in the notes. But it was basically something about, what do you get when you cross, a post from WWE, what do you get when you cross May 23rd and Dave Batista and, da- and Daniel Bryan or something like that? I'm like, maybe WWE and May 23rd shouldn't be something that you're actively like trying to promote. Yeah. Especially given the circumstances of the entire situation. Yeah, and it's never changed. I mean, it's not like things have subsided. Yeah. So I, you know, I I think I, you know, we talked about the dark side of the ring last year. We talked about Owen in great lengths. I got to say, just seeing that it is the anniversary, not sure if I ever told you this, but so he passed away May 23rd, 1999. Mm Mm-hmm. My grandmother passed away May 23rd, 1997. Oh. So we were already kind of in a family mode at my house that day. Everybody was just kind of together, you know, because it was a big piece that we had lost. So I planned on skipping the pay-per-view. And my buddy calls me and he goes, bro, you're not going to believe what just happened. And he and I believe, I think I may have told this last year on the on the thing. He called me and I'm at home and he tells me, Owen Hart died. They just announced it on the pay-per-view. And they're really going to great lengths in the attitude. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you? And I, like, I didn't believe it at first. I thought it was a hoax. Right. Um, but no, it's it, so every year when I do think of the date, I, I go, Grandma, Owen Hart. Like almost like it's like family almost, but it's just kind of it, it's always there in a way. Yeah. So. Yeah, man, it's it's a somber day that yeah they really shouldn't fuck with. They, you know what I mean? I hundred percent what you're saying yeah. with WWE. Well, you know what I like about Owen is we get to see him when we take our trips back to Mondays. Hell yeah! But before we get there, we do have to make sure we talk with our buddy Nightwing analyst because it's time for some good shit. Nobody in the whole building but us, Nightwing. Wing. It's Night Wing. Really? Huh. Guess I was thinking of that goofy mullet you used to have. Yeesh, that was like a whole decade of bad hair days. This is such good shit. Hey everybody, this is Nightwing, and we're going to have a little bit of fun today. I'm going to chime in on something because, well, point blank, I was asked what was my favorite match. And being 38 years old, I'll be actually be 39 here in a few weeks. I just wanted to chime in and say, like, 
I've had so many good matches and so many big major events in, in wrestling history. I really can't just say it's one event, but I do have it narrowed down, and I'll get to that. But, I mean, like I said, I've seen, like, the rise of WWF to WWE. I've seen the end of the territories. I've seen the purchase of WCW, the NWO, the Attitude Era, DX, the PG Era, what have you. I've seen all of it, and like I said, it's so many millions of matches that I've watched in my life. I grew up a fan. I just started watching one day and I remember watching it with my dad and he told me that he never liked it when I was watching, but he watched it with me because that was what dads do, right? So anyway, I can narrow my favorite period in wrestling down to about 2006 to 2009. And the reason I say that is because when the PG era started off and some of the storylines were truly, truly challenging the intelligence of some of the fans, I just like the fact that when I turned on the alternative at that time of TNA, that X division was so stacked. Those matches were just so amazing. I mean, when I want to talk about the origin of the holy shit chant, that was the X division of 2006 to 2009. And that got me back excited about watching wrestling because probably at the end of the attitude era and and up until that point we needed an alternative because it was just so boring so cookie cutter so every week we're seeing the same thing which we do see a lot of that in the e right now but again you turned on tna you watched pd williams and aj styles and samoa joe and all these guys just giving it they're all they're basically unknowns at that time i mean a few people had a name on the independence but Independents weren't getting a lot of great TV time. They definitely weren't getting cable time. So that was why I was so excited to get back into wrestling. And that actually is the show that brought me back into it because I had actually stopped watching for a while as uh, the professor has sworn he's going to do many, many times during the same time on the radio and even sometimes on this show. But anyway, guys, that's your good shit for the day. Have a great week. Man, it's funny because I like talking about that era a little bit too because it's a lot of people call it the ruthless aggression era and you know it's great for you know the rise of you know the beginning in CM Punk and Cena is really taken over as the main face but you really do forget about sometimes you, we often forget about the early years of TNA man that X division really was everything and it's the guys that we all love to watch now Styles Joe Daniels Jay Lethal I mean they were making history in TNA and it really was a very booming period that we don't talk about enough so I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up this week man good shit yeah man I don't uh you know uh, we've talked about it at length my TNA uh experience is limited but knowing the talent that they had at that time period and what the X division started out as yeah I mean if I was gonna go watch something from TNA that's likely the area I'm going to right there Oh, yeah, especially, I mean, come on, we, we talked about it last year in our uh, TNA episodes, but TNA Unbreakable, 2005, Joe, Styles, yep. Daniels. Yup. It's probably the very best three-way match of all time. I'm not going to say it's the best match of all time. We covered that last week, but I'd say three-way match? I don't know if there's any other three-way match I've ever seen that's as close. I'd say the very closest that was an exciting one to see, but... You knew who the winner was going to be, but you still wanted to see it anyway. Brock Lesnar, John Cena, and Seth Rollins. That Royal Rumble triple threat match was unbelievable. That's where he did his first, like, Phoenix splash. 
then all of a sudden Lesnar comes in out of nowhere. Like that was a close one, but Unbreakable. I don't think there's another triple threat that's better than that. And it was be- again, that's that same era of what exactly Nightwing's talking about. Good era, good shit. You know what we should do now? Let's talk about another era. Now, let's hop in the car with Doc Brown. Marty, you've got to come back with me. Where? Back to the future. Wait a minute, Doc. What are you talking about? What happens to us in the future? We're going to become assholes or something? Give me a hell yeah. You want a war? You're going to get me. Mick Foley is going to win their world title. Has been paid for by the New World Order. Come on, Vince. Step into the ring. My God, the battle lines have been drawn! Degeneration X invades WCW tonight! Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Have a nice day! We got you! Cruising down the street in my six. Wait, nope, that's the song. All right, here we are, Monday Night Wars. It's Memorial Day week, and we have a bunch of different uh, things that happened because we had In Your House Beware of Dog, and we had In Your House Beware of Dog 2. Yep, that's right. Two pay per views, same week. It's kind of like when they did this Tuesday in, in Texas, except that was an experiment this was because of mother nature said this card sucks so (laughs) fuck it all (laughs) no but so they they as you may remember we have a pay-per-view and we had a power outage but let's let's see what happened here odm you want to talk about what happened beware of dog on sunday may 26th yep so it starts off with uh so well i'll go over so basically, like you mentioned, they did their first match, which was Mero versus Triple H. Uh, and then during the entrance for Savio Vega, the power cuts out and doesn't come back until the main event. So pretty much most of the matches were done in the dark. I don't know how they pulled it off, and it couldn't have been fun for the fans. Uh, but on the pre-show, uh, Free For All, uh, Smoking Guns actually win the titles, uh, tag titles from the Godwins with Sonny uh, because Sonny turns and ends up with the smoking guns. We'll get to that later, though. Um, there was Bob Holly, and uh, he defeated Isaac Yankum DDS. So, yes, that's probably why the power went out. Uh, Savio Vega defeated Stone Cold Austin in the Caribbean strap match. Yokozuna, Yokozuna defeated Vader. Goldust defeated The Undertaker in the casket match. Jake, Ro- Jake Roberts defeated Justin Bradshaw. Ahmed Johnson defeated Jerry Lawler. <laughs> Good shit. And the, ultimate, <laughs> and the Ultimate Warrior defeated Owen Hart. Those matches were not seen on that original pay-per-view. They did take place. Um, so, yeah, very interesting. And WWE acknowledged all of them when they did Night or Beware of Dog Part 2. So, very interesting. But what we did get all to right. see was a 20-minute banger of a match between Triple H and Mero. They gave them 20 minutes, and then, yeah, we didn't get anything until, yeah, what you said, Bulldog and Michaels. Uh, I got to say this. 
our notes. This is the best part about going back in history. You know, back then, maybe I wasn't uh, as witty or smart or sarcastic as I am nowadays. But let me tell you, fuck, if I had heard him say this back then, I probably wouldn't have been a Merrill fan right here. He's being interviewed in the back by Doc Hendricks. Mark Merrow, how will you defend the pedigree? It's a new day for the wild man. That's it. That's it. That was his, that was his promo. He didn't answer the fucking question about pedigree. He could have <laughs> just said, hey, how are you? It's a new day for the pedigree. Or a new day for the uh, wild man. I've been fine with that. Great promo. How are you going to counter... Or how are you going to defend the pedigree? It's a new day for the wild man. Okay. On with the match. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> Sucked. That's what I wanted to say. Um, they do have uh, an interview with Shawn Michaels in an inter- in backstage. And he kind of... All right, first of all, can we talk about those hats that he used to wear? They're like the weird biker kind of hats that, like, yeah. I think ladies wear. I'm not sure. What, what I'm not sure. Maybe guys. And if you do, that's cool. I don't know. But they were really weird sequenced hats. But he did make a uh, a storm issue, or uh, a storm joke, saying that the issues were uh, because Bulldog was running his mouth, and it, it or Cornette, or whatever. Um, but as he's on the way to the ring... Did you find this weird? He's on his way to the ring, and Mr. Perfect is just standing there, staring at him. I wrote, that's it. There was just a stare off real quick, and then your Michael's music hit, and he just goes, and you see him walking. He was smiling at him, him too, almost like, you know, he knew something was going on. Right. But let me say this. Perfect wanted to get back in the ring at this time. WWE wouldn't let him. They only let him be a manager or commentator. He goes over to WCW down the road, as we know, and he becomes U.S. champion. He's in the Roughnecks or uh, Rough City Recknecks or whatever those guys were. You know, like he, he had a career afterwards. And he yeah, wrestled, wrestled for WWE. Impact. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying nothing against Vader. But I was like, this stare-off that they did, I was like, do you have any idea the impact of what I saw? I was like, HBK versus Perfect for the title. You Dude. can't beat me. It would have been beautiful. Oh, my God. It was just, I, I saw that, and I was like, is that, like, my question, is that the vibe you were getting? Or was it more of, he was more just with Cornette and Bulldog? I honestly didn't have a lot of context. I'm kind of was wondering where they were going with it. It it did seem out of place and seemed blatant. So that's my point. I was like, where were they going with this? I, I wrote, dude, like, was this supposed to be happening as a match? So that's why I bring that up. But the Bulldog Michaels match, um, he was served. Oh my god! Why did you waste time on a pay per view? You already had a fucking power outage, and you're like, now guys, let's make sure we get to the ring. We all remember our script and all the stupid storyline that we've been doing with Diana, Dirty Diana, and all the other bullshit. So, HBK gets served with attempted alienation of affection. Yep. What, <laughs> what the fuck is that? 
I don't know. Something. But something that they can use. So I don't know. I mean, attempted alienation of affection. I mean, I'd be, probably be guilty always. But anyway, Sean ends up ripping it. And so that was it. So we needed that. We need we could have did that on Raw, kids. Anyway. Basically, uh, what would you say? A dusty finish to this match? Yeah, it was a dusty finish. Uh, it was basically the double pin, but there were two refs, and each ref counted the other guy. So, yada, yada, yada. We know how this goes. Um, the one note that I wrote in this that I would really... Owen was talking shit to the fans like you could audibly hear him. Yeah. It was fantastic. Um, but I just my, my favorite note for this match... Diana always looks lost and befuddled. She looks like she's staring into nothing. Like, like yep. not like a deer She looks like one of the fans in North Korea. <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> That's awesome. She does. She really does normally, like, all the time. She just looks like she's staring off into, like, absolutely nothing. You know what I always yep, say? Yep. Just got to keep that goddamn baby off the streets. Change fucking diapers. I mean, Dirty Diana. All right. No, anyway, gotcha. so that was the end of the hey, pay-per-view. I- and so we go to Raw, right? I mean, here we are. Now we have to go to Raw the next night. And uh, it is Memorial Day, officially. And we're in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Please run down the card. The first match, Jesus. All right. So it's our first match of the first round of the King of the Ring tournament. It is Goldust versus Ultimate Warrior. I had a bad feeling about this match, uh, simply based on the last match that they had, which really wasn't much of a match. Um, It was just not much better. It was slow. Uh, Goldust tried to pull an Ernie Lad, but Ahmed Johnson stops him, carries him back to the ring. Uh, I put, this is, here's my Enzo callback. Warrior did an Enzo through the ropes and landed on the director's chair. He did. When he went through the ropes, it looked horrible. It looked like he was going to hurt himself. Um, and it was a double count out and neither man advanced and you get a buy. Didn't we just see that in battle bowl where it was a double count (laughs) out? So and even so then and after the match, Jerry Lawler comes out and he kind of messes with lawyer, uh, yeah. with uh, Warrior, trying to fuck with him, and then you know powders out. But I have this written: we have comic books, we have Warrior University, but shitty booking, a double count out for real. Is that what you're gonna do? You're gonna give him a double count out? My fucking neighbor's dog won't stop barking. Sorry. Um, the uh, but a double count out. That's just it. It bothered me. Wasn't a fan of it. In uh, yeah. Why is he even back? What is the point? Uh, probably because they think they can make money off of him in other venues by just having him show up on WWE TV. Obviously, Warrior University and the Warrior comic books. They're using his well, appearances to push talk that shit. really deep like me. <laughs> <sighs> Something like that. Well, and so go uh, ahead and talk about this next part. They kind of do a callback to last night. Obviously, they've been talking about it throughout the, at least the first match, the power went out. Um, we're going to have 
a basically the matches that you guys missed last night we are going to air tomorrow night on pay-per-view and if you call your local cable providers we'll I'm sure they're going to make it right. It's funny to put that on them. I'm sure they're going to make it right. <laughs> Jesus, that's all right. Hey, Vince McMahon said you were going to make it right. <laughs> but now do me a favor. Talk about this next part because I thought this was a lot of crazy shit in, the next, in what, a two-week period. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't know where you want me to start. I'll start because I mean. Just, I'm saying Sonny is the new it. big show. Okay. <laughs> so uh, again, we're going back to the uh, the pre-match show, uh, which was they called free for all. Uh, it's where the Godwins lost. Well, basically, what happened was Phineas was in the ring, uh, and Billy Gunn kisses Sonny. Uh, it distracts Phineas, and he gets rolled up, and that's how they lose the title. So yes, Sonny is on her third, the managing her third team in what three weeks? That's my point. Yep. Yeah. Total big show. Um. It's funny to me because <laughs> I I actually remember this whole thing happening too. So I it like how this whole thing begins to play out. But yeah, she I don't know why they ended up doing this with her. It was just you could have just kept her with the body down as unless they really want to unless they're really gonna be pushing smoking guns from here. I mean, obviously you made them the tag champs and they're heel. They cut their hair. And now they're heels. They were, when they had the mullets, they were face. All of a sudden, they cut their hair and they're heels for absolutely no reason. They just started facing good teams and people started booing them. Found that odd. But new tag champs already. Yep, there you go. So uh, then we go backstage, DiBiase's with Austin. Uh, and, you know, DiBiase's making excuses for the loss at In Your House, even though nobody saw it. Uh, and he puts he adds a stipulation since they're going to have their uh, another Caribbean strap match the next night. Uh, not only if Vega loses, he'll become Million Dollar Man's chauffeur. If Austin loses, DiBiase will leave the WWE. And it was very odd to not see Austin be involved in the promo at all, other than just looking at DiBiase. Very well, odd. Austin was just kind of calmly staring and you know just kind of probably thinking about the match and then yeah Daviasi throws that extra stipulation because he's so confident in Stone Cold that he is going to defeat him that he'll put his career on the line here in WF and then yeah Austin shifts his head with some like dead eyes at Daviasi like why the hell did you have to go yeah. that on it was it was cool I liked it, it, it he was. didn't say one thing at all just that look it was cool I liked that moment Yep. So uh, going back to the whole smoking guns thing, we got smoking guns with Sonny against the Body Donnas. So you got that conflict there. Intriguing shit. Hillbilly Jim's on commentary. Uh, there's going to be a rematch with the Godwins at King of the Ring. Harvey Whippleman is at ringside again, taking notes on the officiating. I can't wait to see how this pays off. Uh, Phineas comes down to the ring, getting all pissed off, uh, trying to confront Sonny. And his boys reel him in. They head to the back. Uh, here's my favorite note for this one. Bart reverses a splash from Zip. Even commentary wasn't sure. Guns yep. win. <laughs> oh, God. Well, and since we did find out that at Beware of Dog, there was a dusty finish. Well, 
That means we're trying to push this feud on, of course. So we are going to have Shawn Michaels versus British Bulldog set for the main event of the King of the Ring pay-per-view. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next match is another King of the Ring qualifier. Vader versus Ving Rhymes. Or Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> Baby boy. I'm pretty fucking far looks, from dude, okay. Dude, he just talks. He sounds just like him. I, I, anyway. But Vader wins with the help of Owen Hart's cast. Yeah. Love that. Pretty badass. Did you notice that Owen was dressed like he was in Right to Censor? He was. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even put that together. <laughs> I'm looking at it. I'm like, is this? I'm like, is this Reservoir Dogs? I'm like, no, that's right. The censor, short sleeve, hey. white shirt, and a black tie. Interesting. Maybe he was trying something out. Um, now can I can I tell you how? Uh, do you want to talk about how this uh, episode of Raw ends? Oh no, you do it. You do it. Yeah. Here is how I have it written. Ahmed Johnson is now brought to the back, you know, because he's knocked out from the cast. He's knocked out, yeah, from the cast, and which is awesome, by the way. Just a, a nice Bob Orton throwback. That's one of my favorite mm-hmm. things about that. You know, I love that they reused that. They don't use that uh, a cast thing enough. I think they should. It's a simple thing, right? Yeah. Well, actually, uh, did they use it when Adam Cole was wrestling? I know he had a cast for a couple, but did he use it in the match? I don't think I don't remember. No, I don't think he did. Anyway, my mind. so as he gets to the back, officials are checking him out. Here comes the WWF Intercontinental Champion, Goldust, and he leans over after saying some words and plants a kiss on Ahmed Johnson. Much like I guess Sleeping Beauty, this shit woke him up. He was giving him mouth to mouth. He was definitely doing something like that. (laughs) And then Ahmed was showing early signs of homophobia by raging like a motherfucker. He found out that Goldust kissed him and destroyed everything backstage. I wrote that. Early signs of homophobia. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Pretty much. That's the angle. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess it's also rape in a way. He didn't say yes that he wanted to be kissed. Uh, he didn't. He didn't give consent. Oh yeah. Well. Oh, dude. Oof. Okay. And WWE um, says goodbye. That's how we're going off the air this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh do I want to touch on that much, or then we? Is that not, yeah, that was enough. Oh no, okay, I, I think you covered everything that needed to be covered. Uh, I was just gonna say. Uh, uh, the only cool thing that came out of that was Ahmed Johnson throwing a jobber through Goldust's dressing room door. That's true. That was a pretty cool spot. While still wearing gold makeup all around his lips. Uh, yes. Um, other, yeah, that's, uh, I tried to block everything else out just because of its horribleness, but. Yeah. Horribleness is a good word. Um, Nitro, <laughs> it's an official two-hour show. Yep. I love what they did. I think WWE should go back and do this. I think it's a smart move. 
hour one, you had Tony Schiavone and Larry Zbysko on commentary, and in hour two was Bischoff and Heenan. That's cool, man. You don't get bored with the same person for two straight hours. Maybe that's why we all hate Michael Cole. You got to listen to him for two to three straight <laughs> hours out of the whole week, right? Give me one hour, switch in, now put in Corey Graves or whatever the case. You know what I mean? Like, I liked it. I just, I wrote that and I thought that was a, a really cool thing. And I actually remembered WCW doing that. So I'm glad they were doing that back then. But yeah, run down the list of this show. All right. So, yeah, like you said, it opens with Shivani saying Nitro just got bigger. It's two hours. Shivani, Shivani and Zabisco. Uh, Zabisco playing the heel commentary. Uh, and they give us a little tease. We got Sting and Scott Steiner facing off later. Uh, Giant's going to be defending against the Shark. And Colonel Parker teases a new wrestler, which is hilarious when you think about that statement and how it plays out. First match, American Males versus Double A Arn Anderson and Ric Flair with Woman and Liz. The VIP section is still in full force. Actually, it looks a little more glitzy. I think they used a, a brighter tablecloth this time. Popped more on camera. Um, Flair almost... Flair oh, almost wait, we already murdered, did that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Flair almost murdered Liz. Uh, he went to throw Riggs out, and Liz was standing right there. She had to bolt out of the way last second, so that was interesting. Um, wait, wait, wait. Before we dive too deep into this match, can we just talk about Scotty Riggs, Buff Bagwell, the American mm-hmm. Males. Yep. Their entrance to the ring mm-hmm. is them walking and clapping. You know when you're at like a rock concert and it's just the drums hitting the beat and generally the guitarist and the bass, they put their hands yeah. up and over their head, they nice do the clap, clap, over the head sure. clap, right? Yep, yep. These motherfuckers Avoid did the, clap. the whole way down to the ring. The whole goddamn way down to the ring. Like, they were trying to get the crowd to clap with them. And they were just clapping. Clap. Clap. I was like, please stop. 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 This is bad. Stop. And that's how they yeah. made their way to the ring. <sighs> what? Great way to start your two-hour show. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is what it is. What are you going to do? Uh, Liz ends up interfering. I gouges Bagwell. Arn Anderson hits the DDT. Flair gets the pin. Uh, woman, it's great, is what already has a glass of champagne ready for flair. And he pours it on his head. Yep. <laughs> and right goes away. to interview. And then they do the promo on uh, Mongo. Uh, Arn cuts a really nice promo putting down football players and, and basically saying that, yeah, flair's going to have Deborah McMichael. So just get used to it. And then and? flair. Do it. Oh, do go it. ahead. Please. You got it. <laughs> because flair. hang on. If I'm not mistaken, this is a, even a little bit of a – it's kind of a throwback when you think about the movie that we did at one point. Are you talking about what he quotes? Yeah. <laughs> After Arn cuts the promo saying that he's going to have – that Flair will have Debray, Flair says we're going to be singing a new song, Sky Rockets in Flight. Woo! <laughs> Afternoon delight. Holy shit when he did all right so obviously when i was a kid oh, i didn't know that so song great. man and anchorman made it re-famous <laughs> and it's funny because if you listen to the oldies stations and PCU. stuff like it, it's very popular back then like it, like when i was working uh landscaping that was on all the time and i was like i didn't realize but yeah pcu was used there too and it's like i didn't you know 
just wasn't really familiar with it as much. Him quoting it, I go, oh, that is awesome. So, yeah, great to see that. Um, then we get, and um, you guys, are, I, I know that we, we're not like every other podcast where we do a video and audio. Fuck that. It's a radio show. It's a podcast. You listen to us. That's all you got to do. But like you can't unfortunately see the quotations show. I'm doing right now. As I say, <laughs> the amazing workout video of Steve Mongo McMichael and Kevin Green. Dope porn music that was behind it. I will say that. I mean, like the the music that was behind it. I was like, These, they're gonna fuck. <laughs> it was it it was worse than a typical '80s training montage. You know, like you know how you, you kind of do it tongue in cheek. This was just bad. Yeah, it was. Oh my god! But I I wrote the porn music to this, or I wrote down that it had porn music because. Do you remember the Adam Sandler uh, guy on the street that's walking around? Let me ask you a question here. Do you think these people are working out or you think they're fucking? This was kind of a mix of both. I was like, they're working out and then they're going to fuck. The music really led me to believe that. I was like, where are they going with this? I'm like, oh, they're going to have a love triangle. All right. How do you know that's not where they're going with it? You don't. Yeah. It's all brand new to us. We're in 96. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> Something's wrong. Too bad you don't know what it is, brother. Oh. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Damn. That's a mic dropper. Wow. Um. All right. Well, like I'll that. go on to the next part. I got to say, this next match, Steve Dahl. Don't know who he is. <laughs> you don't need to know who he is. So I want to tell you how this hall plays out for me. Because I know you have things you want to talk about. I have things I want to talk about. This was, obviously, we're going to talk about an epic moment here. But the guy that comes out, it's Steve Dahl Dahl versus Colonel Parker's new wrestler, the Mauler. I go, who the fuck is the Mauler? He comes out, I go, I'm looking and I go, I know this guy. I know this guy. There's one I reason. I watch him do like two moves in the ring, and I pause it. Do you know who he is? Mike Enos. You know who that is? No. Nope. He is the former Blake Beverly of the Beverly Brothers that were around in 1992, 1993 in the WWF. I'm like, I, I, as soon as I saw his face, I knew it. I'm like, okay, all right, so... Cool, maybe we're going to push this new guy here. That's what this segment is all about. And they even let this match go, technically, two segments. So, Mm -hmm. little Steve Dowell, could be related to Baby Dowell, we don't know, versus the Mauler. So, a couple good moves happen, this and that, yada, yada, yada. Do me a favor, what happens after the break? As soon as they come back from break on the hard cam, you see somebody walking down the stairs. It's not a fan. It's not a fan. It's fucking Razor Ramon. <laughs> Dressed as Denim Dan. Yeah, pretty Puerto Rican Denim Dan. <laughs> <laughs> because, oh my God, that was awesome. I can say that shit. 
because that's what I would have worn. But I'm that's saying, what I would have worn. Especially because it was the vest. It's the so vest, perfect. man. No undershirt, just with the, the gold hairy with the chains, ass man. Chest. Just the fucking yeah, man. Yeah, man. Uh, fucking, we all know the promo. You know who I am. You don't know why I'm here. I go wherever I want, wherever I want. Calls out Ted Turner, the Nacho Man. Where is Billionaire Ted? Where is the Nacho Man? A scheme Gene, the Ken doll lookalike, and the Weatherman wannabe. WCW. <laughs> oh my God! I, I so. They always show you on WWE now television. They always show you the, just like how it's even here in our promo. You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Pretty much that's all we ever get. Mm -hmm. Man, I forgot how much he calls out. He calls out everybody. Nacho Man. Yup. And, again, it's blurring the lines because... He's saying he goes wherever he goes, and then we're taking over. Who? Who's we? Wait, I'm, I'm what, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of a, a big thing. When he said Ken doll, I'm like, he's been calling out wrestlers. Who the fuck is the Ken doll? And I didn't realize it at first until later on in the night. But um, I forgot how awesome this whole promo was. It just to see him walking down the steps, watching people go, "Holy shit, that's Razor Ramon!" Everybody standing up and pointing and figuring it out, and like to- like pointing to each other and be like, "Bro, look at that! Holy shit!" And how the announcers play it off as just some asshole that just got in the ring. We don't know why he's here. It was awesome. The only gripe I have. He left down the entranceway. You come in through the arena like you bought a ticket, and you're taking over and doing what you want. But then he goes down the entrance ramp like he's leaving and heading uh, up the. Uh, yep, he starts that's, walking that's back a good towards call. the. I was like, "Why are you?" Doing I didn't even that? remember but seeing that. But that's such a minor flaw that back in the day, I don't think it really made a difference. Well, at and all. I think the, the the funny thing is too is you, it, there wasn't a pop. It was a murmur. Right. Because everybody's no like, everybody's like, wait a minute, that's fucking Razor Ramon. Why is he here? And like he's referencing yep. that you know who I am, and everybody there was n- it was inaudible murmurs. You know what I mean? That's but not the name awesome about it. Razor, not the name Scott. Nothing was said of names. Yep. Just all pronouns, pal. That's all we got. What is he doing here? Why is he here? You know, yep. it, it was. I liked it. It was really, uh, it was it was good. It was really uh, great segment. And I'll be honest, I thought that was the last we were going to see of him for the night. I actually really thought that, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Mark, we get the uh, Sergeant Craig Pittman versus DDP. Quick nothing match, really wasn't anything great. DDP obviously goes over. Yep. And after that, oh my god. <laughs> we have an interview with Shark. It's Mean Gene interviewing Shark. And uh well, the issue with this one is this man has painted teeth on his face. <laughs> 
If, I'm sure our listeners are familiar with the shark. <laughs> yeah, it was just. <sighs> this is also the man that and I wrote here, you know, just shark. It's just poor booking. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I have this part right here. So you have shark, poor booking, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, when you think about it, he's a fucking powerhouse. And as soon as he lost to Hogan in 1990 at SummerSlam, that was it. Mm-hmm. That was it. He's never had anything good ever since. Yeah, he's tag champs of natural disasters, but he was never, ever booked as a powerhouse ever again. Putting him into WWE, or into WCW, they put him right in the dungeon of doom. Enough said. Enough said. You just could have you could have booked him a lot better. But do you have what I have about the next segment, how Mean Gene segued? Oh, you don't. I have it. Gene goes, <clears throat> and I quote, <laughs> you know, Hulk Hogan, he's just been all about with all these uh, different celebrities, blah, blah, blah. Let's see what Hogan has been doing as Hogan has been hobnogging. The fuck is hobnogging? I've never hobnogged a day in my life. I did put hobnobbing, not hobnogging. He said hobnogging. Yeah, I uh, yeah. That's not a word. I don't even know what either one. You nodding, hobnodding, gogging, hobnobbing. It's like, a, like, oh, look at me. I'm hanging out with all these famous hobnobbing. Yeah, you never heard that before. Nope. Hmm. Nope. I'm too. Uh, I'm apparently not too classy enough to hear that word. But then we get a tremendous world title match. <laughs> Dude, you, you got to look. Giant versus yeah. what's that? Oh no, I was just gonna say. I mean. You gotta, I guess this, I don't know if this was their way of around getting the fact that the giant couldn't wrestle or if they were just trying to book him like a monster. Cause I mean, look what he did to Arn Anderson. Right. So in this match, giant goes over quick base yep. squash. And I gotta say, he keeps defending the world title every week. Mm-hmm. I kind of like this. Yes. I like that. He just keeps defending the world title being like, I'll put it up against anybody. You guys want, you're not going to beat me. And it's like, he probably had more defenses in WCW than probably most world champions because after a certain period of time, most of them was just a by month at the pay per view. You know what I mean? Like, right. he actually has a lot of defenses under his belt, even in just a couple of weeks. But then Big Bubba Rogers comes out and they cut the shark's hair. They Bischoff makes a mention only half of only the head. half the head. Yep. You go. Yep. It's only half a head. I'm like, he's only halfway. I'm like, he hasn't done that. Maybe because like, it's more embarrassing. Because it now he's got to yeah. walk around for a little bit with half a head of hair. The weird thing was Bubba took off with the hair. He picked it up and took it with him. Maybe he's going to put it on his head. Maybe he was just trying to be clean and clean and tidy. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm going to clean this shit up for you guys. I know you have a TV <laughs> title match coming up next. And that we did. We had a guy named Max. Not one, but two X's. Two X's. He took on Luger. It's an okay match, but, I mean, it's Luger. Only Yeah, the only thing his I found... matches I, are kind of cookie-cut. They gave Max a lot of uh, offense. It uh, looked like he pulled his hammy at some point. Uh, Bischoff actually referenced Luger beating Yokozuna with the loaded forearm during this match, which I thought was, uh, you know, it was cool. You know, the, uh, you know, acknowledging other federations, right? Surprising they did that. Without talking shit on them, either. He just brought it exactly. up as a reference, so. Uh, just letting it go. They never do that. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And he defended the title. It was a retain, of course. If you don't have a last name, you're not going to win this title right now. And it was just, just Max. But the next match was, do I have this written right? Hard Work Bobby Walker. Uh-huh. Is that his name? Hard Work Bobby Walker. Not Hard Worker, just Hard Work. Hard Bobby Work. Ro- hard Work Bobby Walker. How can you be the Lone Rangers? You're not exactly alone. <laughs> There's oh, three of you. Um, <laughs> and he takes on Brad Armstrong. I thought that Brad Armstrong was going to win, but Bobby Walker put in the hard work, and he won the match. And two botches. Uh, my my line. I got to be honest with you. I don't think two hours was a good move at this point. I'm like. I don't think everybody was ready because, like, the guys are putting in there. I'm like, are we just stretching time because this match is horrible? Yeah. It, like, And I'm like, was. Max, who the fuck is Max? I'm like, you have Shark versus Giant, Luger versus Max. I'm like, for a two-hour show, I'm like, where's the rest of your roster? Just curious. Yeah. My uh, my Bobby Heenan line of the night. Uh, Bischoff asks Heenan, do you know what a thesis is? And Bobby Heenan, a thesis. Didn't she dance at? <laughs> no. No, that was Cleveland. He never gets old. Honestly, it, like every awesome. week, I just look forward to hearing him on the commentary. Like, I was kind of disappointed at first when they had just Tony and Zabisco. I go, oh, this must be who they're doing tonight. All right. And then when they switched it in the second hour, I was happy that I did get to see Bobby Heenan. I'd only wish that he was around during the Flair stuff because it's just he's extra during that stuff. Right. Match of the night. Yep. Yep. William Regal. Versus Alex Wright. I didn't think it was going to be that great of a match. I was like, eh, whatever. But it ended up being a really great back and forth match. And Regal does a post-match interview. And Regal has a bloody nose. Dude, this dude is notorious for bloody noses. There was like a period in like 2001, I remember, like from like Royal Rumble just past WrestleMania. Like, Every match he had a bloody nose. I'm like, are we in different elevations or something and you can't deal with it? I mean, they're only in Fayetteville, North Carolina here. Oh, no, that was raw. I'm sorry. But I don't know. It's just he always is a uh, he's a bleeder, I guess. I guess <laughs> but no, so. the match was uh, great. It was a really good match. But talk about our main event match. All right. So this this one was cool. Uh, yeah, this isn't a storyline thing. This was just like, hey, it's our main event. We're gonna give you a really solid match. Uh, and it was Sting they versus storyline it, just f- with friendship. Sure, saying how close they are with fr- as friends and stuff. Well, so, I mean, not necessarily storyline, but they are saying like these guys have never actually yes, had a match one exactly. on one against each and, other, and that's what they so sold. I, I was like, yeah. So it, it, so it was kind of story ish. I liked. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and and listen, it it was pretty damn good. Uh, it's hilarious staying on the way down to the ring, uh, steals like a, a couple pieces of cheese off the VIP section. It's pretty fucking funny. Uh, you can tell the camaraderie. They do the handshake before the start of the match, which is awesome. Uh, Sting gets caught calling a couple spots during the match. Uh, Scott actually yeah. once that I noticed too. It's those corner cams. They had those little cutouts. Not not a cutout, but they had like an additional piece of the ring where the cameraman can stand in the corner uh got a little bit you know intrusive sometimes uh but a solid match a lot of nice back and forth luger comes down to the ring and then rick comes down to the ring so you know you got your equalizer there um 
I thought it was paced well. I thought it was a good back and forth given the talents that were in the match. Uh, but the, the finish kind of sucked because, uh, you know, Luger gets involved and then Rick gets involved and it turns into a schmoz. I wrote goddamn Luger. Yeah. I'm like, as soon yeah. as I see him, I'm like, come on. Yeah. Like, let's just let this match just play out. And so, yeah, I mean, then they go to the announcer's table like they normally do now. This is a schmoz and they're pulling the guys apart. They go to the announcer's table like they normally do, and uh, I, I kind of like how they sign off every week at the announcer's table, right? It's just a little bit different rather than just having them go randomly off the air with, I don't know, like Ahmed being kissed, and they're just like, well, we're going to leave you wondering if we hate gay people or not. right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Nitro, I like it. They go to the, the commentary booth, so they're giving their closing... Remarks. Why am I talking so heavily about this? Because, goddamn, he came back. I didn't know that he came back that night. I never, ever, ever knew that Hall talked twice in the same night on Nitro the very first time he showed up. And now he is confronting the Kendall. Notice how goddamn quiet Bobby Heenan is. He hasn't said a word. He's just sitting there and not saying anything. Do I align with him? Do I not? He's a heel, but he works for another company. Keeps calling him a Kendall. And this is where he, I think he, he basically kind of says almost the same promo, right? I feel like it was all the same stuff he did in the first time. Pretty much. He keep, But now he's starting to, to push the we thing more. Exactly. So he's pushing that more, and then this is basically where he sets up the match at Bash at the Beach. He sets it up. He and says, "Notice the names that he says." He picks them out. He says, "Tell billionaire Ted get three of his best. Maybe Nacho Man. Maybe Stinger. Oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> oh, I'm so scared. I love that. That was awesome." <laughs> <laughs> he does say his the one line that he that I did like is he's like, "We're gonna do it in the ring where it matters, not on microphones, newspapers, or dirt sheets." I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. Uh, you mentioned no Heenan. one's ever mentioned dirt sheets once yep. on any wrestling show at this point. I don't think exactly. And then, uh, like you said, Heenan uh, after Hall leaves, uh, Heenan just looks like flabbergasted. Yep, like no words, and he just takes his headphones off. He sells it great. Sells it great. He's the man. Heenan's the man. There was. It's one of those when you watch it. Again, I, I when I'm watching this, I really, really do try to put myself as if I'm watching it for the first time. You know what I mean? Like taking right. it in because I don't want to just be like, yeah, yeah, it's a job or match. Who cares? Because I didn't have to give a shit about Steve Dowell versus the Mauler. <laughs> Once I saw that, wouldn't you fast forward generally? Right. You know what I mean? And at the very top of the hour, when Raw is beginning – and you're in your second hour, basically. You're just getting things going. Is now Scott Hall shows up. Talk that was well timed. It was smart. Watching in the moment, like I said, like you just said, the dirt sheets, bringing that up, bringing up billionaire Ted. You know, no one's done. No one's brought Ted's name up on WCW. Not that I know of at this point. All this is extremely great, and now 
I'm excited because here we are the reason we are reliving the Monday Night Wars. This is what officially kicked it off. We thought maybe, you know, I mean, this was, we'll say this is the first strike that made it real personal. Yeah. Going head to head on Mondays, it hasn't been. No, there's been so some far, good shit, right? a lot of nostalgia. Yeah. You know, April so and May's but there's, been, you know, yeah, and I mean, some good stuff to watch. But how is WWE going to respond next week? I'm genuinely curious how all this goes, you know, because now you know that Nitro has the upper hand. Kayfabe, no kayfabe, uh, being a mark, a smart mark, whatever you want to call it. In 1996, very few knew what the fuck was going on right in this moment right here. We all thought he including Vince McMahon, were invading WCW. Yeah. Excited. It's cool. I'm so glad we're doing this, man. And that's why we talk the top of wrestling. We talk top stuff. And next week, our hey, uh, top topic. You know, don't you want to go over uh, Beware of Dog Night 2? Oh, my God. There was another <laughs> pay-per-view. Holy shit, I'm used to ending with Nitro. <laughs> to be honest with you, Scott Hall was just such a fucking awesome moment. I was like, how else do we cap off the week? You're right. Now let's have Beware of Dog 2. Where are you going, you little fat fuck? You ain't got no job. <laughs> Bumper. Bumper. I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here. I'm going out. <laughs> Uh, night two, the 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 the, the redo. <laughs> Just drop the bumper. Sorry, I never cried right, in front okay. of a female before. Uh, so, uh, you know, props to Savio Vega and Stone Cold. Two Caribbean strap matches in three nights. That's pretty badass. Uh, and these guys went at it. Uh, it was Mr. Perfect and Jim Ross on commentary. Nice little duo there. I like it. Um, you know, this is uh, the traditional strap match. Uh, you got to hit all four turnbuckles in succession. Uh, it ends up being Vega as Austin's dragging Vega and hitting the turnbuckles, but Vega's hitting them right after him. Uh, and then when they get to the 30, pulls them, launches over, hits it. Uh, it was pretty fucking brutal. That a lot was of- a great spot. Yeah. Now, I don't mean to cut you off, but <clears throat> I thought that was the end. I started writing it down. I wrote following and touching all the the turnbuckles i go that's how they got to end it right there that's how because the match was already going pretty lengthy at this point so i was like they're closing it up man and and he followed him over and just as he goes to touch that that yank that austin did it looked like it took vega's shoulder out of his socket it was awesome the way he sold it here's one thing i gotta say nobody has marks really on their body from the caribbean strap match no before i was like do you think when the power went out, they were like, quick, get us some feather or something like soft to wrap around this thing. We're not, if no one's seeing this, I'll slap my leg. I'm not doing that shit for real. Well, yeah, they probably worked it in there somehow where they were able no, to. No, yeah, I know. I'm saying real. like, but it's no call, one's marked up. But after That's this one. a good one, call. Yeah, they didn't, they weren't marked up. But they were getting marked up in this one. Oh, yeah. Austin was taking some whippings. Um, Dude, it was a great back and forth match. And then, can we just talk about the ending? When Vega finally does win, and is I see it has, um, he touches them all. Was it a part of being in the Million Dollar Dream? 
No, nope, I mean? take that back. He was trying to touch them all in the Million Dollar Dream and didn't. But when Savio Vega officially wins the match, yeah, this pop was easily one of the craziest, loudest pops I've heard from that era that was so natural for a fucking mid-card guy. Mm-hmm. How hard was that pop? It was that, awesome. That's why I picked him as my number one uh, unsung hero of the Monday Night Wars. Dude, you really did. Holy shit. Wow. Good for you. Good for you. Dude, the way the crowd just came unglued. Yeah. It was almost like they were like, nah. They did why the same would Ted when... DiBiase get fired? Why, he ain't going anywhere, right? right? Huh. <laughs> Ray ain't going anywhere. <laughs> no. um, and then something that I didn't know they were even doing way back then, but people were doing it in WWE way back then or WWF. You got the old na 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 na. Hey hey, the crowd is singing it to Million Dollar Man as he is now officially done with the WWF. The funniest thing is that they did that one night after Scott Hall defected. Yeah. Right. Holy shit, yeah. You think, re- you think they had regrets thinking about it? Because, you know, obviously we try to kayfabe this segment yeah, as because, much as we can, but because I guess is going to show up there. This show, wasn't, this show wasn't planned, so what was their plan for DiBiase before they had to do Beware of the Dog Night 2? Unless my only thing I think that would have been is that Vega won... Night one, right? Okay. Did he win night one? Okay. Uh, Maybe when the lights went out, maybe when the lights went out, they were like, fuck it. Vega, you have to go over. People aren't seeing this. If he had lost the match, it loses all the credibility that he has to be the chauffeur, right? Ah, yes. I think the plan could have been all along, this could have been, this is just pure guess and speculation, <coughs> is that Vega was supposed to lose. It gets seen. He becomes a chauffeur. Next night, he doubles down. I'll be your chauffeur for life, or you leave WWF. And they could have did it on Raw, but they said, fuck it. You didn't see the match. We'll just do this all together there. Right, that makes speculation. sense. But how, again, but you're right. Like, it wasn't happening at that pay-per-view, so why all of a sudden is DiBiase gone two days later? Yeah. So... I think that could have been the plan. That's just my own personal guess. But, um, yeah, go on with the rest of this pay-per-view. Yeah, the next match is not much really to say. It's Vader versus Yokozuna. I think we know what happens. Uh, Cornette. <laughs> uh, Cornette getting involved again. Yokozuna goes for a bonsai on him. A Vader pulls him out of the way. Elbows the leg a couple times. It's a Vader bomb. Gets the pin. Really not much to say. It's what we expect. The most face Ever I've ever seen Yokozuna. The oh, absolutely! Crowd was so hot behind him, it was so cool, and I'd never seen him that face because I was like used to seeing heel. That's all I've ever grown yep. up on was heel Yokozuna. And it's and hilarious. He's a face. The most face he's ever been. It's the most weight he's ever been. So that's unfortunately true. Um, maybe that's why we like people like Jonah Hill. The fatter you are, the funnier you are. Um, Maybe. But they did two false starts to square up. You know, they're getting ready to to square up like uh, two football players would and go at it. 
And every time Yoko takes the charge, but uh, Vader pussies out each time. And then they, they finally do. It was just, it was a lot of stalling. Cause I was like, what really are we going to get out of this match? Not going to become a five-star classic. And it was exactly the one and a half classic. I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as soon as that match was over, Hey, if you guys want, you should call into the hotline. Cause right now, Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man is on the hotline. I thought he just lost his job. Why is he talking to your customers or clients or whatever you want to fucking call it? That's like that's like getting fired from your day job. Cool. Hey, I just got to make a couple phone calls. I'm going to let some people call me. Don't worry. It'll be fine. That's just weird. The hotline, and he was the guy that was on there. Austin couldn't be the one to talk. It was, just found it odd. Um, But... I will say that JR uh, actually did also later on say that Yokozuna is the only man or, or, or is uh, the only man to ever slam Yokozuna was Ahmed Johnson. He made that comment during the match. He goes, because if Vader goes to slam him here, he goes, the only man to ever do it was Ahmed Johnson. Uh, Lex Luger. Yeah. Did we yeah. all forget about that? Which is hilarious. Which is hilarious if you think about it. Because on Nitro, they openly referred to Lex Luger using the loaded forearm against Yokozuna. The same exact week. Which is weird that this is the night later. Yeah. They pay you a compliment and you don't even fucking mention the guy you don't ever work with. There you go. Chris Benoit. But that's WWE selective memory there. God. Then we have a casket match as our main event. Undertaker taking on Goldust. I didn't even realize it was even for the Intercontinental title, to be honest with you, until the match began. I go, oh, it really is. I'm like, at some point in my life, or did anybody really go, Undertaker is going to be the next Intercontinental champion? It just never seemed like a title he should ever have to Exactly. Hold. It was right to the main event. And he never did. But it was just, yeah, it was. I found it weird that he was fighting for that title. But in a casket match... And and they do multiple false uh, attempts where someone's going into the casket. And it's funny because this one is actually... All right, let me ask you a question. They sometimes have coffin matches and then they have casket matches. Which one's the casket? Which one's the coffin? I always thought the ca- the coffin... Is coffin the wooden one? Yes. Okay. All right. Back to the story. So... <laughs> Multiple people or multiple uh, false finishes, I guess, if you will, for someone being thrown in there. And then, uh oh, false door for sure. And mankind comes out of it and he helps the uh, the Intercontinental Champion win and retain. Then Taker's just gone from it. That's it. Yeah, it was, uh, was one it. of the... Sp- they opened it up and he was gone. Yeah, spooky Undertaker. He went through that same trap door that Mankind yep. came through. Yep, and that's how it ends. Not even throwing it back to your your announcers. We assure you, he's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but now can I close out the show? You can close out the show because I think we've talked about everything we plan to talk about today, so... All right, I think we're good. my bad. I forgot that they decided to do the second night of the show. <laughs> but, hey, like I said, man, Ted DiBiase is now gone. Maybe he'll show up in WCW at some point. Yeah, I, I hope never, he finds a job. Never know. 
Yeah. I hope he does. I, I really hope he lands on his feet. It's not like he's a millionaire or anything. Which is so weird, by the way. Did you see they're bringing the million dollar yeah, title back? It's the whole NXT? Cameron Grimes thing. It has it's to be that. It's stupid, man. It, it, I saw it said they're resurrecting a classic title. I'm like, no, no, you're not. When you resurrect the European title, I will say that you have resurrected a classic title. The million dollar title was only held ever by million dollar man or who Virgil. awarded it to himself the only person to ever win it was Virgil yeah that's yeah. it yeah listen the million dollar title is cool if you have disposable income and you want to buy a replica of it from WWE that's awesome that's awesome yeah I approve that as an actual title to be involved in storyline again no it belongs to the million dollar man and I know that you're bringing him back into this to do it but just yeah, we don't need that much nostalgia. Well, I know I got good nostalgia. Kind of, I, before we before we finish the show, I might as well ask you. Really though, I mean, you're saying if you want that million dollar championship replica, would you really like the people that buy a bunch of those fucking championships have like 10, 12 of them. It's like, bro, that's like the people that would buy like well, hey, Patriots have six Super Bowl rings. I have to have six Super Bowl rings, hey, too. Hey, some people have storage units where they display all 12 of, 12 of their belts. So I know, know, but it's – I just – do. You, but what do you do? Do you stand in front of the mirror and go – like, do you hold the million-dollar title and go, ha, 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 ha. Or then, or if you hold the wing title, you go, I'm the best there is, the best there was. Like, what do you do, fucking cut promos in your bathroom? That boy that your dad didn't want sitting on his new couch, you know, he's got a ton of them. So I don't know, man. Fuck you want for me? <laughs> I'd like to have like the gold belt, you know, that'd be pretty cool. But you know, then <laughs> you know. I, Thank but- you guys so much for listening to the Top of Wrestling <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Next week, the top topic. Oh Jesus Christ! That was that was phenomenal. Um, oh my God, the top twenty-five pay-per-views of all time. So obviously, number one is going to be Heroes of Wrestling. Hey, maybe it'll be AEW Double or Nothing twenty twenty-one. Maybe that one will make the list because it's just going to be so phenomenal. You never know. But that's what we're going to talk about next week. Our top topic is top 25 pay-per-views of all time. In two weeks, we will have Nightwing back with some good shit. Next week, we take that trip down memory lane for the Monday Night Wars, as always. And, of course, we never, ever leave a show without a little bit of an impersonation from our man, ODM. So my name is The Professor. I bid you a farewell. And as always, here is ODM leaving us with the movie quote of the week. This week as the man that showed up on Nitro. Well, we only know him right now as Razor Ramon, but we'll say Scott Hall or Razor Ramon. Hey, yo. You ain't shit. You, just like your daddy. You don't do shit. And you never are going to amount to shit. All you do is eat, sleep, and shit.
The Top of Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by The Top of Wrestling Podcast. Your hosts are The Professor, Mark Fantasia, and ODM, Joe Rizzo, with special weekly segments by Nightwing the Analyst, Rashawn Hilton. Without your continued support, it would just be some guys talking wrestling. Feel free to interact with the show on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and by email at thetopofwrestling at gmail.com. Cool, cool. Cool. All right. I got to stretch my legs. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. You know who can't stretch his legs? <laughs> Little Chris. He's in a fucking wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ.